Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, Sykes Movie Beat, conversations with filmmakers where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat, you'll learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to movie. And we will talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera. And I'll provide you with the guests and information you're going to have, whether you're a filmmaker or a fan. And so now let's move behind the scenes here on Movie Beat. My guest today is Mr. Peter Marshall. He's been with us before. He's been in this business for over 35 years. He's a director, an AD. He's done it all. He's seen it all. He teaches live programs. He's got an incredible website and easing and and all sorts of stuff. His website is actioncutprint.com. And he's with us again. We are live with Mr. Peter Marshall. I'm going to bring him on. Hi Peter, how you doing? It's Rex. I'm I'm uh, really well today, Rex, and yourself. I'm great, thank you. Very kind. Good, I'm great. Good, good. Um, Peter and I have been discussing uh, directing, and uh, this is the 29th episode, the 20, 29th hour that we've spent on air talking about directing on uh, Rex Sykes Movie Beat here. And uh, you also just just right off the bat, let's just tell everybody you've got an upcoming online program on Stage 32 beginning in November. And yes, we're uh, yeah, then. it's uh, called How to Get Believable Performances from Actors. That's on Stage 32. That's Stage32.com. Uh, they can check under Education, and it's a four-week online course starting on November 4th and going to November 25th. So uh, I'm very excited about that. So Stage 32. And uh, so if people go to the website, stage32.com, they can check under education, they can see it and have a look and see what they think. That is fantastic. All right. So there you have it. I need to take care of some uh, housekeeping here. So uh, let me tell everyone you're listening to Rex Sykes Movie Beat. The official URL is rexsikes.com. It's my name. And all of these interviews, you can uh, listen from that website there. There are links to the player. And they're all archived, over 400 hours of professional filmmakers, uh, including the 29 hours that Peter has uh, done with me on the director series here. But also he's done a five-part series on uh, being a first AD uh, as well. So you're going to want to go back and check into all of the archived shows with Peter, as well as all of my other fabulous guests. Uh, there's a new blog, RexSykesMovieBeat.me. That's RexSykesMovieBeat.me that uh, will also update you along with the Facebook friends page and things, to my upcoming guests and news and happening in the area. So uh, first up, Peter has uh, the webinar coming up on CH32 in November. I need to tell you a couple of things, and then we go into uh, our time with Peter. Um, The Milwaukee Film Fest ended. uh, The Surface movie, Made in Milwaukee, premiered. It will open locally at theaters on the uh, 31st uh, or weekend of the 31st in uh, the Milwaukee area. That's the Surface and Marcus Theater, so you're able to see that where it's playing nationwide. I don't know. It stars Sean Astin and Chris Mulkey, directed by Gil Cates. The uh, Flyway Film Festival is coming up 
the 23rd through the 26th of October. I will be there. I will see you there if you are. I will be doing a show with the uh, director and uh, festival creator, uh, Rick Vacious, on Tuesday of next week, which I believe is the 20th. On the or the 21st, the 22nd, I have a show with Jeff Gendelman, who is the producer-writer of the movie The Surface. Um, after that, in, Octo- in November, from the 14th, 16th, I'll be at the Wyoiga Film Festival, and so you're going to want to check both of these out. All of these out, a little movie that I have a love-hate relationship with is called uh, Bucky and the Squirrels will be debuting there. I was first AD on that movie, and we shot it from L.A. in um, in Appleton, Wisconsin. So, um Good times and not so good times, but the movie should be fun and, and you'll want to see it. All right, enough of that. With Peter Marshall, Peter, um, you know I have thoroughly valued the uh, the expertise and the level of articulation that you have brought to all of our episodes and discussions on directing, and and we continue uh, doing so. We've been talking about actors and um, working with them and how a director gets an incredible performance from them. So, I mean, uh, people listening today or anytime archived also know that that, that is what your workshop is about, <laughs> you know, how to get incredible performances and realistic performances mm-hmm. from actors, the, or the web the webinar that's coming up. Yes. Uh, so. Uh, and we've we, also done um, workshop. I've also done a lot of live event workshops for Rain Dance and in uh, Toronto and Vancouver, and you came up for one. I remember that. I did so come up for one. Yeah. That's when we first met last year. It was lots of fun. So I yeah, wish I could come to all of them. I, they are definitely, definitely uh, um, for anyone interested in directing, uh, whether a director, or first AD, or actor, or filmmaker, um, they should do your workshops. And I and I wish I could go to all of them. And they are great. I mean, you are great, and they are great. So I wish I could be there. And um, so. We have been talking about um, uh, how to communicate with the actors and, and how not to instruct actors and how to guide their performance, and we're going to pick it up with making sure that the actors know uh, their scene objective. Correct? Yeah, I think we've we've again anybody that is the this is the first time you're listening to this broadcast or at least the mine with Rex is to you know go back and into the into the archives like you're saying and, and pick up because we're sort of following a little bit of a pattern and. And you know, drinking actors is is really one of the key aspects of the director's job. Um, I'm a you know, as a filmmaker director, I'm a, I'm a I'm an instructor at the Vancouver Film School. I'm a film directing coach, and 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 all my years of doing all of this, it's like usually the number one question that comes up, or one of the main questions that come up all the time when people are asking about. Uh, directing is well. How do I direct actors? How do I work with actors? And 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 so we we're spending a lot of time working on that because I I believe the the director's number one job on set is working with the actors. Their number one job in prep is script analysis. <laughs> so uh, this is such an important uh, job. Um, well, job is part of your your role uh, to work with the actors. And 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 we've gone over uh, just as a a quick recap. Uh, you know, all kinds of directors that work different ways. There's different kinds of actors. How do you blend it? You can get ideas. You can get tips. You can listen to interviews. You can go to workshops. You can stand on a set and watch different directors. But ultimately, it's you and the actor because it's all about personality and it's about trust. And you can get guides. Like one of my mentors is Judith Weston. Um, I still haven't been to one of her workshops. She's got her Directing Actors book and and uh, the director's intuition, which I recommend highly everybody pick up. Um, but it's like you get all you get the information, and a, and a lot of this is it was about human behavior. 
really ultimately. Hey, Peter. Uh, just just a note, and I don't know if it's if you're on a cell phone or something, but but you've been breaking up a lot. Uh, I don't know if, if it's just I that hear it or if listeners are hearing it, but there's it's, no. it's stuttering quite a bit, and I'm not sure why. It didn't originally, and then it started. Oh, is it okay? I'm on a landline. I don't go on my cell phone, so are we okay now or? A little bit. It's a little bit better now. Uh, are you on an air phone or away from the no, base? I, no, I'm on a on a complete landline, the same line I use all the time. So. Well, now it's stuttering again. So, I mean, it's sometimes, but it did through most of everything you said. I, it may be fine, and it may be that I'm the only one in the hearing it, but I wanted to. Uh, I wanted well, to I'm check hearing it. a little stutter from you, so I'm not sure. Yeah, it could be. It could be. It could be the trunk line that we're on. Yeah. So maybe maybe there's a interference that way. All right. Well, we'll proceed and hope that everything is taken care of. Just, so you were talking about the director's intuition in the book and the the necessity of actually doing rather than simply yeah. listening and learning. Well, and I think that's it. And, and one of the key aspects uh, to well, almost anything in the film business is is basically doing it. Um, you can you know take your lectures, your workshops, learn about it, read about it, uh, but practice it. And, and something that I always recommend as a, as a director is to really um, you know have you have if you have scenes or scripts, you know get actors together. Actors want to exercise their muscles. They want to exercise their acting chops and just get together with people for an hour or two and go over scenes and talk to actors and and that kind of thing. That's one of the best ways of doing it because then they get to work with you and you get to work with them. And uh, it's just a great way of doing it. So again, you're going to get lots of lots of tips from from you and from me and everybody else, but again, the ultimate part of all of this is you got to practice. Right, so that's really the key. So that is that's fantastic. Now, one of the things that you just said, and I and I and I, I diverge right before we even get going. And you said that the, one of the director's prime responsibilities is getting the performance, working with the actors on the set. And um, while that is a, a complete agreement, that is either made easier or more difficult by the support that you have around you. In other words, if you've got a good first AD, you've got a good producer, you've got people who can. And, and gaffers and lighting technicians and cinematographers who can do everything else that they're supposed to be doing when they're supposed to be doing it to allow the director, which shouldn't be a luxury, but the luxury and the opportunity and the necessity of working with his cast or her cast. Um, you know, I, I think the, the the difficulty with a lot of the low budget and the uh, emerging filmmakers is they just don't ha- they don't they don't have the knowledge base or the practical base in in in, in effect. So that the director, or they may not even know that that's what a director's, you know, prime, prime, prime objective is, is to work with the cast. And so, so many of them, I see, you know, focus on their shots and getting, you know, the film set up and everything else. And then somehow they end up with a lot of lackluster performances because they didn't, that's not where they concentrated their time. Right. Well, that I, we see that over and over again. And I call the film business the weakest link business. And almost any industry is like that. True, yeah. And what I mean by that is if you are a director and, and you have these great dolly shots all lined up and, and it's going to be spectacular, but your dolly grip is inexperienced or you don't have the right equipment, you're not going to be able to get those shots. So that is your weakest link. Or it's your cinematographer, your AD, or your actors, or you. You have to look at yourself sometimes. You could be sure. your weakest link. So, again, exactly true that you there's a lot of elements when you have work with professional crews and everyone is supposed to know what they're doing and you've got 
you know, uh, you know, five grips and five electrics, which is ten people on a crew, which is you know, on a on a feature film or an industry standard TV show, you know, you have maybe eight to ten people in the grip electric department. Well, that's like almost the crew of a small indie movie itself. Right? So, exactly. Yes. You know. So again, you you do have all of that, but I think if you prioritize, as a director, we're talking about now, what the main functions are. And like I said, in prep, it's really script analysis and understanding the script. And yes, you have to do location scouts and and meetings and talk about everything else. Um, but your your priority is that you have to know the script. You have to know the story. Uh, you have to know the story inside out. You have to know everything about the script, the characters. You have to know objectives, scene objectives, why people do things, and all of that. And that's going to translate over easier when you're on the set. So after you're casting, you go through all your casting process and your script read-throughs and, and rehearsals with actors so that by the time you get to the set, you know, even if you're on a low budget and not a lot of people, you've already gone through a lot of the work with the actors so that you know, it's, it's looking more for magic moments and layers on the set than trying to complete or trying to direct complete performances. So your prep time is, is really the magic time for you to do that. And you're right, Rex, where our job is about understanding the shots and blocking and picking the shots and working with it. But uh, an advice that I always give um, directors, uh, that if you're in a, if you're starting out and you haven't got a lot of experience in all of these areas, hire, you know, uh, whatever it is, just hire a good DP and a good, you know, AD, um, and they can help you out with all this other stuff. If you get a good director of photography or a you know good camera operator, they they'll watch the blockings. They can help you out on that because um, you you're not going to know everything right away. It's going to take years of practice, like everything, to to put all this together. But no one talks to the actors. You're the only one that can do that, and no one is going to give performances to the actors. Only you can do that. So. If you come in and basically say, you know, this is my experience, I know, I understand the story, I know how to work with the actors, you know, I'm limited a bit in blocking, or I don't quite understand what a lens does with this, that's fine. They're going to find out in three minutes anyway <laughs> on a set, so you might as well come, come clean with it. And the thing is, in most cases, people love to help you out, because don't forget, your crew get a credit too, and they want it to be a good movie, not a bad movie. So you have all of that working for you. And again, it comes back around to ultimately when we watch a movie, we don't watch it for the cinematography, the great Steadicam shot, or all the costumes. That's all part of the package. But the movie, the story has to be compelling with believable characters, and then it has to make us feel something. And that's ultimately our job as storytellers. Um, Everybody involved in the process is to be able to do that. So your job working with the actors is to get through the story part, understand that, and then and then get the believable performances or help the actors with believable performances. And that's, you know, about as simply, I think, as we can put it in a complex. <laughs> I got to tell you, I'm completely, side, I'm completely going off, off line here. Um, but I recently was working on a feature film out of L.A. as an actor, and I happened to walk into the uh, breakout room where craft services was, and the craft service person said, as I walked into one of the people, he says, if you think that's slow, you get in my way and you'll see how slow craft services can be. <laughs> wow. And I, and I recalled your 
line yeah. about uh, grip or electric who said, well, you think that, sure. that, <laughs> that operates. Well, so I, was, I, uh, I was early. My, exactly. It was a great learning experience from the crews. I was a very raw first AD doing TV series. And, of course, then I was under pressure and I was pushing the crew and telling them to go fast and all the normal BS that we tell everybody to do. And I just remember this key grip. He turned, no, a dolly grip. And his hands were on the Fisher dolly and turned to me and he said <laughs> and exactly what he said. You know, he said, if you think that's slow, you're going to hate the next speed. So it was like, I just, I got it. You know, it's like, we'll slow down. Don't, don't rush us. We're doing our job, you know, and it, and it takes the professionals to put us in line like that. The people that have been around for 20 years longer than you have. So it's, that's perfect. It's good. And uh, even though that's a segue off uh, off topic in some ways, it is about you know people uh, being treated professionally and knowing their jobs and doing what they do, while you, the director, are able to do other things too. Yeah. yeah even though that's not the, that was not the original purpose or intent of the story, um, uh, or the example. So uh, w- when it comes back to now um, working with the actor. Right. Um, if you're lucky, like Clint Eastwood goes, well, I just hire the best and I do one take. You know, if we have to, we do a second. But, but you know, because I cast well and I hire professionals, I don't have to do a lot of directing. So, uh, if if man, I mean, if you can afford to do that and you're lucky that you've got cast like that, then that's that's uh, makes your job uh, in 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 that regard that much easier. But if not, um, part of your job is knowing that the actor has done their homework and that they are prepared. And this is the stuff that you would do in your prep work, you know, in, in terms of them knowing their objective. And and so in working with them and in, and in communicating with them and, and, and helping them along, um, we've talked before, just so we don't need to cover the ground, we've talked before about the fact that, you know, actors will bring to the table something and we we don't want to interfere with that. We don't want them to just be puppets. We want them to be the performance the performers who they whom they are and to bring their best to the table so so in terms of making sure that they know their their objective what what kinds of things can we um do or well i think to? yeah i mean exactly i mean the direct good actors or trained actors have gone through the whole process of you know acting from acting 101 all the way through and, and they understand the language because it's their language and as directors we need to understand it too you know, and one of the, the clear things that's important, you talk about objectives, is, well, what's my objective in the scene? What's my want? In other words, what do I want in the scene? And that's a very clear objective that an actor needs. Uh, as they read the scene through, they get to see that, they make that up. A lot of it is, and I divide the, the, the objective into text objective and um, or super and a super objective, which is a need. So really, you know, someone walks into the room and they're supposed to, you know, say, where did you get the gun? That's their objective is in the scene, they walk in and they tell the the other actor, okay, where did you get the gun? That's the question. That's my objective in the scene. The subtext, or in other words, the super objective and the subtext is why, you know, what else is going on? And that's really where we direct. And, and I think good actors act the subtext and good directors direct the subtext. So the objective is, has to be clear um, and that so everybody knows uh, what they're doing in a scene, and sometimes it's as, it's that simple in directing. It's just making sure that everybody understands the objective, and if things aren't happening as you like it on set, or people having problems, you just ask ask the actors, well, what's your objective? And if it's maybe not strong enough, then maybe you can can ramp it up with verbs, you know. So 
um, you know, so maybe there's the objective. He says, well, I ha- his objective was to ask the person um, for for something. And if it's not strong enough, then maybe just say, well, why don't you go in and demand it instead of ask? It's sort of ramping it up, and maybe that'll change the, the feel of the scene. They're still doing the objective. You're just sort of ramping it up. So I think that that's important um, along with essentially what's, what's the scene about. You know, and, and I think that you... There's an intent of the scene. There's there's a reason for the scene to be there, which is also the scene objective. And um, I think it's also prudent for directors to allow actors to, uh, you know, maybe improv if they want, but they can't change the intent of the scene. You know, I always make the joke with Titanic. Well, why why does the ship have to sink? You know, <laughs> well that's the intent of the movie. Well, you you can make a movie without the ship sinking. You just can't call it Titanic anymore. You can have the love story. You just take. You just call it something else. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right. So right. It, that's a very large example that would never happen, but it's a good example for for understanding objectives and intent of the scenes. And I think that's really important for actors to know, and for directors to know. And that's the key for that. Yeah. So when you're dealing with the actors, so you're communicating with them either in 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 a, pre, um, a table read, a pre-read, prep work, offset, onset, you know, and and you you uh, you will ask. You might say, "What is it? You what's your objective in the scene, or what do you want, or or what is what is the conflict? What what do you want that you can't get, or aren't getting, or what you know? What do you have that you don't want to give away, or any of those kinds of questions to determine, you know." What the what the objective is for that character? Now you've got multiple characters maybe in the scene, so you're dealing with characters with who may have conflicting objectives or conflicting ones, or or maybe there's an overriding one that both you know that you know maybe they're simultaneously trying to accomplish or negate. Um, but but also uh, if the actor, depending on the, the work that the actor does, um, they may be working with like life scripts and themes as well. So they might say, you know, my character, for example, is not necessarily written in a script, but the way they've envisioned it is that the child's been, you know, uh, uh, a shuttered-in kid and, and lonely all their life. Now they want attention. Now now their prime objective in life is to be grandiose or be a star or have money or whatever it is. So the way they fulfill some of the objectives that they go after in the scene may be different depending on what their their own motivations are, what their own life scripts are, their themes are as characters. Do you, um, do, I mean, is this where an area where you, you get in and you tailor and you work and you question and find out how it best works for, you know, overall script as well as each scene? Well, I think you have to tailor it to the actors as well because if, you know, that's you're, you're talking uh, creating a subtext world, subworld, backstory, whatever for the actors. And if as long as, if we look at, the objectives and divide it into two things, like I was saying. Divide it into the text objective, which is the one which is actually written in the text. The actor comes in or the character comes in and does this or asks for this or whatever. It's a clear, and we want to make sure that that's the clear objective. So that has to be the objective on the surface, on the words, everything. But the rest is up to the actor how they do the beats and the moments. How they Do they put a beat in the sentence? Do they you know, walk around the actor before they say the line, whatever the, the deal is, that's the subtext, that's the backstory. Those, those are the things that are going on in the actor, and that's really the difference between really good actors and actors that are just, like, reciting lines. 
because there's nothing really there. And I think that as a director myself, that's what I look for is, you know, we get the words. The words are great. Okay, fine. But what's really going on? What's really going on in the character? And that's where the performance comes from. So you, you, I look for that. And, and almost sometimes if actors are listening, really listening to each other, which you hope they are, every take's going to be slightly different because someone will put a different beat or they'll, they'll change the inflection on a word which affects the other the other person. I think it's really important to understand for directors that, and, and, and for actors as well, but the actor reads the script so they know their character's des- destiny. I live, I die, I get the girl, whatever that is. They know their destiny all the way through. But a character, or like us in real life, we don't know what's going to happen one second to the next. We don't know what we're going to say one second to the next. So we don't know our character's destiny. So as a director, it's our job to make sure that people don't anticipate and that, you know, after take, you know, five after five shots or doing 25, 30 times after blocking, they know this scene inside and out. They can't anticipate. And that's really where you see electric live performances, where every take is unique. Every take is slightly different, and they're not anticipating. And that's one of our main jobs as a director is to observe this and to make sure they're not anticipating and is it truthful, and is it believable in every take? And the way actors can do that is, I mean, lots of reasons why to be well-trained, but having clear objectives and then also allowing them to have little room for maneuver with how they say their sentences or maybe transposing words or maybe taking a word out and putting another word um, in to make, make, make it come out of their mouths a little better. And that's why you need to know all your script analysis. I go right back to that. Is does it change the intent of the story? Um, you know, is this actually what the, this character would say or how they would say it? So all of that. So again, it's a complicated business, but at the same point, there's a trust that has to happen between the actors and the director, and that as long as you had some prep time, rehearsal time, uh, anything, just even an hour with them sitting having coffee, just finding, just talking about the characters and, and the movie, whatever it is. Um, it's going to make your life a little easier on the set. So, again, we talk about objectives and, you know, alluding back to what you're saying is that you've got four actors and they're all having a conversation. They, they have, there, there's a scene objective for them to do. They all have to be there for a reason, but they all have different, maybe different objectives with each character as well. That makes it dynamic because that's real life. Absolutely. Hey, we're at that point where we need to take a short break and then come back. I want to ask you, uh, again, another sideline kind of question, if I remember it after the break, and, uh, and and we'll go from there. But let me first say that you're listening to Mr. Peter Marshall on Rex Ike's movie Beat, where this is the director series. It's episode 29. There's 28 other fabulous episodes you want to go, want to go back and listen to in the archives at the interviews blog at rexykes.com. Uh, Peter's own website is Action Cut print.com and he has a lot of offerings there including home study programs uh, audio materials and um, uh, an easing and um, a blog uh, that you're going to want to check into the, the director's chair and film directing tips so go and check those out Peter also has an upcoming webinar how to get believable performances from actors it's for directors it's at stage 32 and at stage32.com you can go slash classes uh, 14 is uh uh, and, and find their information out from there as well. You probably have it on your website too, right? It's coming up in November. It's for 
the 4th, the 11th, the 18th, and 25th of uh, November. Is that correct, Peter? That's how they find yep. out about it? Yep. Yeah, and they're they're live, uh, and it's like live webinars uh, as you know as well. And then um, you know to, they'll be recorded, so people that do sign up and can't make one of the days, you still have all the information there. That's fantastic. Plus, you can follow Peter on Twitter. It's BC uh, Filmmaker uh, at BC Filmmaker, right? Okay. Yep. Um, my upcoming guests are Rick Vacious of the Flyway Film Festival on the 21st. That's next Tuesday, a different day, and the 22nd. Jeff Gendelman, producer and writer of and actor in the movie The Surface, uh, directed by Gil Cates, who's been on the show. Um, so those are the next two guests I'll tell you about. And then the Flyway Film Festival begins on the 23rd through the 26th in Pepin, Wisconsin. Check that way out at flywayfilmfest.com or flywayfilmfestival.com. And uh, or look it up on Google, and you'll be glad that you did. Uh, Peter. Uh, coming back here. Oh, and remember Rex Ike's movie Beat dot M E, the blog, where you find out more about guests as well. Um, obligations. Now, this is this is the question, and I'll ask you. Um, I'll refer to something from this from a recent uh, uh, work that I did on a feature film, and uh, as an example of something. But the obligation that the actor has. So you hire a producer or director hires the actor in a feature film or television. The actor comes in to create the role that somebody has scripted. The director's job is to craft it and get this vision up on the screen, whether it's a large or small screen. And now they're working together. But ultimately the performer performs and the director directs and somehow together they come up with something that I guess they're both happy. But what if they have completely different visions? What if the actor thinks it should be done one way and the director thinks it should be done a different way? Ultimately, who's supposed to win? I mean, and this is not a fair question, obviously, and it's not one that's that's cut and dry or black and white or any of those questions. But who, who technically, as an actor, should I say I have an obligation to the director of the film and making sure that we work together to get the thing out? Or do I go, you know what, I have an obligation to deliver the best performance, and if, they're, if I think the director's wrong... I mean, when it comes, you know, I mean, we could fight, we could end up, we could go in different directions, we could uh, part ways, you know, get fired... Or somehow, you know, the director says, well, you do it my way, and then I'll do it, and then do it your way, and then I'll, you know. But ultimately, um, what do you think? I mean, I think my responsibility is to do the best I can with the material I'm given in the confines or the context in which the director or someone else imagines it. In other words, I may have to sacrifice some of what I think in order to work with somebody because they hired me to you know what I mean? They're, they're they're relying on my expertise, but at the same time, they have they're like the captain of the ship, and I'm on the ship with them. So I need to go where they go, and ultimately work with them to get there the best as they can. Um. So, for example, in a recent thing, uh, I, I, the director wanted something, and it wouldn't have been choices that I would have ever made. Um, you know, I, I, I envisioned the character one way. He envisioned the character a different way. I said, I'd like to do it this way. He said, well, I want it done that way. I, so I said, all right. Now, do I feel that I delivered uh, 110% the best performance? Mm, probably not. Uh, I tried. To, I, I would guess that I did as good as I could under the circumstances, but it wasn't the way I would have done it. So am I 100% congruent in it? Probably not. And so I leave the situation feeling a little less than glorious and, and wondering if I did it. He, on the other hand, says, well, that was good. That was good. That was good. You know, those are keepers. 
And so I go, okay, I will trust that uh, you got what you wanted and that all is well, because I, I, I honestly don't know. You know what I mean? I'm kind of in this gray area. Right. Now, that's, that's a personal example, but it, what do you do in a situation like that? How, what would you expect of the actor, you as the director, or what would you? And I'm not looking for uh, absolution or a solution. I'm just looking for if, if, a direct, if when a director encounters this or an actor encounters this, how do, you, how do we, what, what do you think is, makes it the, 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 the most workable solution for both? Well, like you said, this is a very loaded question because there is no one answer to this. And I'm right. going to go back to the politics. It's all about right. the politics at this point. And this is something that happens a lot, um, as you know, as a director, producer, and an actor. Um, it's uh, it's about could be creative differences. So let me just, it's, it's it's not a simple answer. So I'll go back to casting. Um, you start in your casting session as a director, right? And you work through your casting and your callbacks, and you finally get. Um, actors that you that looked apart or believable, and and they have range and all of that kind of stuff. And as you so as you hire them, after you hire them, it's really important. Then you get into your uh, script read-throughs where you talk about scene intent, character objectives, uh, motivation, all of that stuff into rehearsals. Um, and I, if you're doing an indie movie, you have no like you have time. Maybe you have one day. Whatever it takes. If you have two weeks of rehearsals or two hours. You have to really get into sort of the essence of the characters. Now, obviously, two weeks of rehearsals, you're going to sort a lot of things out. You're going to see what the actors can bring to the table. It's the opportunity to bring up questions, to have discussions. That's what rehearsal is all about. In theater, they get three, four weeks of rehearsals to go through everything. Film, you're lucky if you get an hour or two. So now the other thing is when I go back to the politics, if you're doing, uh, let me talk about television, for example. Well, the producer's the boss in television, not the director. So any of these questions come up technically are answered by the producer and that they follow along a pattern of the series. There's a certain look to the series, a certain feel of the series, et cetera, et cetera. And this all has to be addressed individually. So to a certain extent, the director, you still have to deal with those issues, but sometimes when it gets very complicated, you kind of stand back and, and and I like I've seen this. I've done it myself. I've seen it on TV series. And the director kind of looks at the producer and puts her hand and says, "You go deal with this, because this is your show. It's not right. my show." Okay, so that's one area. Uh, if you're doing your your film, whether it's a short film, um, a commercial, uh, you know, an indie movie or whatever it is, or a two hundred million dollar movie, doesn't matter really. You know, you've been hired by the studio, i.e., the producer, to to take your style and, and put your stamp on this movie. And through that is your casting sessions. When you get involved with actors that want to change things or you have um, creative discussions rather than conflict, I like these creative discussions on, say, what their character would and wouldn't do, that is going to be very difficult when you're standing on a set with a, you know 50 people watching. If that can get sorted out early, early, that's what you're going for. And that's why you go through all of this list of, and I know I'm repeating myself, but it's important, of character objectives, scene objectives, what's the motivation, all of that before you get onto the set. Okay, so say you've done that, but then I think the other bottom line comes to trust. Does the actor, or can the actor trust you? Does the actor trust you as a director? Because ultimately that's what the actor wants from the director is trust. Right. If they feel they can trust you, all right, and we're still talking a little bit of politics here. If they feel they can trust you and you've given them uh, that trust ever since the first 
casting session, really, all the way through there, going to have a discussion, but also, like you, you know, you said, say, okay, all right, they're the boss. Uh, who am I as the actor? What's my position in the acting world, if you will? Um, you have to look at that as well, and that's politics. Then I'm, I'm sure you can, if you have val- valid reasons that are script related, and that's because you need to know the story. What I talk about, you're pretty well going to survive probably most of that. Now, on the other side, if you're, say, um, a young director and you're dealing with an A-list movie star, that's a whole other ballgame. You also have to understand that it it still involves trust. It still involves the individuals. And then you always have to ask yourself, well, why is the actor doing that? Or why am I being stubborn? Why are they being stubborn? Is it, you know, wolves pissing their territory or the actor says, this is a young director, or even if they're 50 and they don't trust them, they don't understand my character as well as I do. I'm going to do it this way. And these are, these are the, um, the behind-the-scenes flashes you, you hear about and the arguments that happen, and, and those are going to happen. And I think you need to, as a director, have to understand that it's very, it, basically it's a political animal. So from an actor's point of view, who are they? And what power do they have? And who are you and what power do you have? And sometimes you're going to get overridden. Uh, or, and then you have to do, and, but if you bring in uh, the facts, if you bring in the situation from the story, you can turn around most actors from a trust factor based on your story analysis and what you're doing. So it's really not an answer because you can't really answer it, but right. it it's really goes back to, do, does the actor trust you? And 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 the other thing to do, and you did mention it, of course, actors will understand that. Well, why don't we do one take my way and one take your way? And the actor goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you got control of the editing, so <laughs> you right. can do whatever right. you so want. We know, we but know we've all done it. We've done it because at some point the actor, someone has to acquiesce. Someone has to give in. And, again, it's it's really it's it's what's the politics of the situation. Right. So it's not a cut-and-dry answer. Um, but your protective coat of armor, if you, you, you can as a director, is to be open to interpretation because who says your interpretation of the character is correct? Yes, you've spent a long time on the script, but that's why you hire actors to come in and go, whoa, that's their interpretation, right? right. Uh, I remember seeing behind the scenes of Kubrick doing, uh, doing a movie, and the actors were like 30, 40 takes. He goes, just do it again, do it again, do it again, and they, he wears them down. And I remember the one actor saying, don't talk to Stanley about motivation. You know, he says, I hired you. I hired you for a reason. Now do it again. <laughs> it's like he, it's like it's, he knows what he wants. He may be, he's not going to articulate it. And then he, because he, he, he sees it within you as an actor. That's a very hard slogging way to do a movie. But it's, you have to think as an actor, uh, again, I, I guess I use the expression, is this the bridge you want to die on? Because the industry uh, it's a small world, small industry, and uh, you know, good news takes about five years to travel, and bad news takes about an hour. So if you have a difficult That's actor great. on set, everyone's going to know about it, right? And is that what you want to be known for? And it's or as a director too. So you have to take all of that in mind. So I, I think I well, answered I, I, it by not I, answering the question. No, I think I think you did. I think you did fabulously, and and. Um, I'll add some things to it, and that is um, a lot of things depend on different factors. I mean, in in, in one case, oh, I was doing. In one case, uh, recently, I was acting in a, in a feature film 
um, where uh, I didn't audition. I was just offered the role. And uh, which was great. I mean, that was fine. But and I'd never worked with this person before, so um, you know that that creates an interesting uh, set of circumstances because I don't know them. They don't know me. I guess they know me either from you know my work or they just saw something in me you know over a conversation that they liked and went okay, cool. Um, so that creates a, a certain amount of circumstance but but you know it's one thing if you know you the lead or co-star in a movie it's another thing if you're a day player or a weekly player mm-hmm. you know in it, and i say this from the actor standpoint in terms of coming in and knowing where you fit inside of everything yeah because it's real easy to go you know this is my i've got you know three paragraphs here and it's my time to shine and i'm going to do it this way and and it, they see it completely different and um and and they look at the story and and what this scene or these characters do in terms of moving the story story along in certain ways and you know the actors thinking well this is my moment to to have good on camera time i'm going to show the world how great i am um you know as opposed to going okay how do i fit into this project and do the best job ever so uh, but and and another recent shoot what was interesting was you know we we did shoot the scene um and I would I ad libbed some stuff at the end, and the other actor ad libbed it, and and the director let us do I would say I don't know all of our takes with that, with the exception of the final couple, and I think it was on my close up where he said, okay, now don't say the line because we may smash cut, you know, kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, which was interesting because they allowed for us to to add some things in, and then went back to what the original script was. You know, or how how the director's shooting script was, and um, and then said, all right, so we're going to take that out in case we edit it differently, and and that was cool. So um, we've talked about it before a lot, and I guess more than anything, as an actor, I want to know I can trust a director, mm-hmm. and it's really hard if you've never worked with someone before, unless you yeah. have that time spent with the director, and the director talks about their dream and their vision. And about the character and the story, and they articulate things. Because otherwise, I mean, if you just show up on the set, they go, "Okay, get there and and, and let's mm-hmm. shoot it." And you really haven't spent much time with them, uh, unless they're a, a known professional director you've always wanted to work with. It's it's tough to 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 put your well. It's a relationship, your... right? And like any relationship, relationships take time. That take honesty, and you know, to build on a great relationship, ultimately, it is about trust. And if we look at personal relationship, that could take years. And, you know, and actors and directors sometimes don't have years, obviously. Um, They may have days, uh, if they're lucky, um, to build that trust. There's also a ranking, you know, directors here, actors here, you know, DPs here, AD, you know, there's a ranking. It's a military hierarchy sort of thing, right? But, uh, you know, and I think that it's part of also our jobs. Our jobs are to get hired if you're the dolly grip or the AD or you're the DP and you look at the performance or you look at something else and you go, well, I wouldn't do that way, but you're not the director, so you do your job and I'll do mine. There's all of that because everybody can direct, right? Everybody has, everybody wants to be That's right. And so you get everybody, you know, I remember going by sets and you hear somebody grumbling, oh, I wouldn't have done it that way. And it's like, you know, that's all fine, all going to happen. But I, want, I wanted, as you were talking, I wrote down one word, and I, I think from an actor's point of view, always understand and even a director's point of view, that in film, it's the power of editing that changes everything. That's right. Editing, if, if you're a TV series director, the producers have the power, 
of the editing. They can change anything they want. So no matter what you're doing, what kind of shots you're doing and performances, and you do all these great shots, they can change everything. I remember I've done a lot of TV series as a director. So I'll do the show, I'll do my cut, I go away, and then three months, four months later, I watch it on TV go, oh, where did that shot go? Oh, they added something. Oh, where did that come <laughs> right, from? Right. You know, you have no control, right? And from an actor's point of view, understand that if you're bringing up ideas that are valuable and having com- creative conversations, not conflict, and they're incorporated, that's, a, that's great. But if you're also doing it for you hate your job, you don't like the people, or whatever you, you're, or you're insecure, or whatever the thing is, don't forget, when, as soon as we, we get the camera up and we got two people in the scene and you got one camera in you, one camera in the other person, you can guarantee that a lot of times we're gonna, that camera is going to be on that other person so we can take out all that dialogue or ADR you and do, do what we want because we control the editing. And I think that that's really something actors have to understand, that I've been involved with, you know, all, either as an AD watching it, but even as a director, I've been involved with all sides of those things, some fairly large and, some, and most of them just fairly small little situations. But being able to control the editing is ultimately the director's power of performance because we can alter performance in the editing room. And I think that, that actors have to understand that. So I think ultimately, again, it just comes down to creative uh, conflict, creative differences, What's better? It, it, if two people dig their heels in, it's just it's not it's going to go nowhere, right? And I think it's just a matter of who are you, who are your actors, what's best for the story, and I think ultimately what's best for the story. And and you as a director have to understand: is my ego getting in my way? You know, look at yourself in the mirror when you go home at night. You know, because that's the real you. Um, you know, am I digging, am I the writer director? And I, I don't want them to change dialogue. That happens a lot. You know, where if you're just a director, well, yeah, yeah, change the line around. Sure. This, this sounds better. So it's all of the politics. It's just amazing stuff. Well, it's, it's an interesting thing. I, I did another project where, um, I had never worked with this director before and I came in literally replacing another actor and, um, uh, which was very cool. I mean, it just, but it happened literally like I got the call, can you kind of like, can you be here tomorrow kind of thing, you know, and I'm like, sure. So I went in, I didn't know what to think, I didn't know, you know, and we were doing it and he kept saying more and more, you know, he wanted he wanted me to go over the top more and more and I kept saying, I, I boy, I don't really want to go that much over the top. He goes, you got to trust me, you got to trust me. And I'm, back in my head, I'm thinking, I don't, I don't know even why know you. I trust you. <laughs> right, exactly. I don't know. But I will say this: in this regard, I've seen I've seen the rough now a couple of times, and uh, there's a couple things I would alter, uh, primarily um, off-stage sound of me, like you know what voice vocal take he took that I go, eh, I would have used a different one, but but he's making the choices, and uh, but to his credit, it I'm a I, I am not displeased. Let me put it that way. Um, it looks pretty good, you know, for all in all. And I have to say, I guess he, for for the circumstances and for what the story was and for what he was doing, it actually does work. And I mm-hmm. would not, that would not have been the way. I, I mean, it might have worked my way too, but mm-hmm. but it, it's, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it was it was an yeah. interesting kind of dilemma to be put in. Well, I but think you me... nailed it there, Rex, that we just don't know. Director doesn't know, producer doesn't know, actor doesn't know. Ultimately, we don't know. We have a feeling for it. We use our best judgments. 
We never know if the movie's ever going to be a hit, even if you have all these great actors right. and directors. And I mean, we can see that happen. We ha- happen all the time. You know, like part two of something. What happened? They all forgot about acting. And, you know, the director forgot how to direct. You know, it's all these elements, and that's because there's too many moving pieces in a in a movie. And what I mean by that is everything from financing and studios to inter interference here to all these pieces. And the and, release dates and competitions. And yeah, it's all the of that. Competing market, you know, the whole thing. Yeah, you know? and, and it, you have to incorporate it all. And I think that what makes the film industry fascinating, and it's always lively, and there's always something different. It also makes it terrifying on the other side. Is you can't put your hand on it. Hello, this is we're in an artistic environment. We're, we're creative. We're artists. Thing, these things are going to happen. All right. And I always tell any of the students that I'm teaching anywhere, and I said, if you don't want collaboration, if you can't deal with other people, then here's a pen and a paper and go sit in the park and you're a poet because now it's just you. And you you can can create your art and tell your stories by yourself. Perfect, absolutely, 100%. But as soon as you step in and you need someone else to deal with, now you're dealing in politics, you're dealing in personal relationships, and you're dealing with all the other stuff that any kind of relationship happens. So forget you're in the film business. Forget that you're a director. You're actually a manager of a company. Like you're the CEO of something. You're, you're the vice president of marketing, whatever you want to call it. You're in a company. It's a business. And so you're in, you, know, you know, may not be the top dog as a director because that's the producer, that's the CEO or whatever you want to call it. But you have, you're a manager. And ultimately it's about how do you manage people. And not just manage people. You have to manage all these crazy people. Ain't <laughs> <Okay. laughs> I mean, that the truth? <laughs> that, that, you know, actors and directors, photography, and all these people, and everybody wants something. They're all, you know, long. You put in long days, and and sometimes you get paid well, and sometimes you don't get paid at all. And you have to manage all of this. So that's from a so director's I, point of view. You know, you have to be able to handle all this. What I appreciate about all of our discussions in these 29 hours, and we've got about eight minutes left or so here um, before I know you have to run, um, you know, is that we, we cover really the psychology of being a director or working with actors and people working with cinematographers or editors. Yeah, I, I mean, it's clear. The bottom line is that, you know, you, you manage these people, you capture something on film essentially, um, you or someone has the power to cut it however they cut it, which can um, be your worst nightmare if somebody else is cutting your work. Um, mm-hmm. But that's true for the actor, the director, the cinematographer, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. whomever. So the writer, I mean, so everything can change. And uh, But you do the best with what you, with what you have. And it's really about working with people in relationships. Now, we have probably said this, you know, it's 29 hours. We probably said this 2,900 different ways mm-hmm. in the 29 hours. But anything worth knowing is worth repeating because many people don't hear it the first time and they don't go back and listen to the same thing over and over and over again and, and extract all the gold and all the weight from it. So sometimes you have to keep kind of hammering uh, points that are important. And that is really about working with people and get, getting their trust and being trustworthy and, and, mm-hmm. and being professional. Um, before we close out, though, let's let's uh, go to, and, uh, unless you have a comment on that, I don't want me to step over that, but I was just, I was just making... No, I think you nailed it. Absolutely. Um, is that you say that every actor should have at least one moment in a film 
And uh, is that something that you as a director give, you know, the I, actor? I think, yeah, I mean, what we mean by a moment, and even, I mean, if you have your number one and number two and number three in the call sheet, they're going to get a whole bunch of moments because they're the leads. But, you know, someone that just plays, you know, do you want more milk with your coffee, the waitress, just some moment, some magic moment, something there. Uh, they, they should have an entrance. They should have a moment. Give somebody that. That's what your job as a director. It may not be written in the script per se as text. You know, you have two. You have your you have your two leads sitting at a table, and a waitress comes up and does anybody want any more coffee? No, no, we're fine. She goes. That's it. She'll never be in the movie again. That's the only time. So how does she come in? What's her backstory? Otherwise, why does she come in? What's the reason for that to happen? Is her, is her objective to interrupt at a certain point? Is that the, the character's objective? So we always try to, to I, I do that personally. I, I think it's just something that I like to do. But it's like you give them a moment, and, and I think that's really important. I remember, uh, I'll give you a ex- personal example when we're, I was the first AD on uh, Bird Noir with Mel Gibson and Goldie Hawn, and John Badham was the director. And we were shooting this scene in a bank. And the story was they're on the run from these bad guys now, Mel and Goldie. And so uh, they go into a bank because they need money. So Goldie has the credit card. So the scene, the, 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 the part of the scene where she goes up, gives her credit card to the, to the bank teller to get, you know, 100 bucks or whatever it was. Well, the, the bank teller writes her information in the computer, and then it says warning, prison, you know, alert police or whatever it was, right? So... The scene was basically all he was really uh, had to do in the scene was look at the monitor. You know, we have a close-up of the monitor. Look at him. He says, excuse me, I have to go talk to my manager. Or he has, he has some sort of text line, right? And then he walks out, and then next thing you know, the sirens are coming, and Melancholy run out of the building. That's more or less what it was. Well, as we were blocking the scene, the actor is a local Vancouver actor. He did a couple things or reacted that Melancholy picked up on and they're very comedic actors, and all of a sudden, everybody's laughing, and next thing you know, Mel and Goldie are pointing to this actor going, John, to the director, let's do something here, and they created a whole thing, a moment, if you will, with this actor, and all it was was because, he, I can't remember exactly what the detail was, but he did something, reacted in a funny way, because it is a comedy, and all uh-huh. of these actors, these A-list actors, like, let's go for this. And that's what I'm talking. That's that's an extreme example where every the actors train around going. Let's give this guy a moment. Let's really work this. Um, another example is when I was doing the TV. I was directing an episode of Wise Guy with Ken Wall, and it was the very end of the movie. It's a slightly different example, but and I had this shot. And Ken was also a producer on the series, and this the series has been going for a couple of years. And everybody won, and it had the two people uh, congratulating himself at the end, uh, and they were the sort of the, the characters that came in, and we only saw them for the movie. So I had this setup where I had the two the two actors in the foreground, um, sort of talking, and in the background, you know, about ten feet away, it was Ken just sitting against a car in between, in the middle of the shot, arms crossed, just looking. He had no dialogue or anything because the scene was about them. So I was blocking the scene, and I said, okay, well, I'll put the camera here. I'll just do this in a one because it's a pretty cool shot. It's just a half a page, the two actors talking, and then Ken in the background. I said, I'll do this here, but then I'll go and I'll get a close-up of Ken um, watching. And then he said, no, you're not. And I go, excuse me? I said, you're not going to get a close-up of me because they will use it. In other words, he's talking about the studio. The network will use the shot of him. He says it's their scene. And I thought that right. was so cool. Um, because really he's, cool. he was also the producer, 
So it's like, I go, yeah, okay, <laughs> no problem. I said, sign here because they're going to want to know where your close-up was. Um, it, it's really, I, I think everybody understands that just like the waitress comes in, how is she coming in? Is, is there a smile? Or, are, are the actors going to interact with her in any way? It's a real moment. It's real life stuff going on. And, and, and it's like, what's the subtext really? Can we come up with some subtext? And it doesn't take a lot of work. And it just gives a little life to things. And so that's what I mean by give an actor a moment. Every, every character, every actor needs at least one moment in a film. Well, I think that's a, 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 actually a brilliant way to think about uh, each of the characters that are, that are in the script and those that you might add on the fly. Yeah. Because they wouldn't be there if there wasn't, you know, some important reason for them being there. And and the fact that you can accentuate each, not only that, but but I mean from the story point and from the character point, but from from the human point that you have an actor who's come in, maybe they're doing a small part, they're surrounded by all these other people, they do a walk on, they say one line, they do whatever it is, and then mm-hmm. they're out of there. If you can treat them with regard and make them feel special for that moment and and not like rush it, I mean I I was working with somebody once we were directing something and. I said, okay, let's go for the close-up, and the DP, the DP said, well, we don't need her close-up. And I said, no, we do need her close-up. We might never use the close-up, but the actor doesn't have to know that. <laughs> right, right. But but we should shoot it. Now with digital, you don't have to shoot all the close-ups because you can just you know punch in in, in the... Yeah, well, if you're post. using 4K or above, yeah, you can right. do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, but the point being was I didn't want this person to feel like, well, they weren't necessary or they weren't going to get their mm-hmm. their moment. And so, yes, it you know, and it, we had the luxury we could do it. Yeah. You know, so well, that you know, happened I to think, me as well. I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's like because you just gave me another, you know, ideas that sure. the, no, go for I was doing a, a TV series and I had a sort of a, a car was pulling along and there was a woman on the side of the road and this guy pulled over to pick her up and and just get in the car. Now these are two characters the audience knew about, so I was, you know, I, I was I was outside, I was on a long lens, you know, behind schedule. And I thought, well, I'll just do this in one sort of wide shot, a long lens shot. I mean, I had full figure of the car. Right, because it came mm-hmm. around the corner, he picked her up. They had like a two lines of dialogue in the car, and then the car drove off. And I went, you know, I don't need to cover it because it's not a you know big thing, but I needed to move on. Right. So we did the take, and the actor, of course, had a radio in the car, and after, and he said, Peter, because yes, you need a close up of whatever her name was. She's amazing. <laughs> so I went, <laughs> and these are the two leads. These are he's one of the leads in the TV show, and I went down. And I go. Got it. And I went down and we got, so I had to get her shot. And then I got ahead. So I added two shots. I had to get his reaction, her reaction. But he was right. She came in and gave this performance. That was amazing. And I was sitting on a wide, long, you know, like a, sure. a long lens. And I could see through the window, but that was it. And he basically pointed out, it was like, she needs this moment. So I'm talking about something that, you know, like you see very quickly, a waiter, waitress, something, or other actors will also give and take, and I think that's really important, part of your teamwork that happens. I think so, but I, and, I, and I also think, you know, it, it makes a difference in the final product, you know. And, oh, for sure, absolutely. You know, in, in the absolutely. story, you know, when there are, when there are all the uh, other and little characters who also shine in some way and, you know, that they're, me- that they're memorable in some fashion. Um, what's that? There's but, no but, little performances, right? Everything should be there for a reason. Otherwise, that, what's it in the movie for? Right, you know, right, and and then the other thing that you said that obviously everybody has to pay attention to, but is you know especially if you're doing a union movie and and uh, and or you're bonded and <laughs> you're doing yeah. everything right, 
you know, you're, uh, you're, if you're behind schedule and you're a day late and a dollar short, you know, what does time permit you to do and what can you still get away with? Um, because there are real-world constraints as well. Of course. That, Sun's you know, going that, down. What do you do? Yeah, exactly. you, can't, yeah. you can't throw money at that one. Right. Yeah. So, uh, Peter, you have been awesome again. Let's remind everybody, thank you so much. We'll come back with uh, episode 30, uh, continuing to talk about actors and directors working together and what the directors uh, do to in- improve the performance of the actor or assist the, the, mm-hmm. the actor in in creating a performance, but but let's remind everybody again that Stage 32 coming up in Stage32.com. You have uh, oh, an online workshop webinar uh, yep. coming up. It's an online, yeah, and then it starts on November fourth. Uh, fourth. And uh, go to uh, yeah, it's like four to six p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Anyways, all the information's there. They just have to go to Stage32.com. Um, you can look under education, and you will see you'll see stage 32 next level classes so you'll you'll see it there and you can check it out it's we're going to have a great time uh, lots of information we're going to be getting into over a four week period even going to be giving some assignments and we can talk about them so there you go we're going to have fun uh, that's very cool and uh, peter's website his own personal website is uh, actioncutprint.com so you're going to want to go there and check out everything as well and you're going to go to follow him on twitter and you're going to want to follow him on twitter at uh, bcfilmmaker.com. That's like British Columbia filmmaker.com. I don't know whether that's what you had in mind when you put BC down, but well, I think uh, it was. Yeah, I wanted the word filmmaker in there. I don't know why I didn't put filmmaker BC because filmmaker is the keyword. But hey, you know that was my early Twitter days. Yeah, it was BC <laughs> filmmaker. Yeah, but people can make up whatever they want. Unless you meant before Christ filmmaker. And then that would be <laughs> oh God, I some days I feel like that for sure. <laughs> So, uh, but uh, thank you very much for okay, being Rex, here. Okay, it was always uh, a pleasure. To you and yours. We'll we'll let everybody know when the next time uh, arises and uh, and uh, enjoy your day and enjoy uh, the program. I'm going to see if I can uh, figure out how to to become part of that webinar myself. So, right um, all the best to you. Thanks, Rex. You take care. Thanks, sir. Bye now. Bye bye. Mr. Peter Marshall, uh, again, a very fascinating guest and a, and a, a wealth of knowledge and somebody I, I really enjoy talking with. He knows so much. He does so much. And uh, it's nice to be able to, to uh, speak with him, listen to him, and, uh, and to call him a friend. So that's very, very cool. Um, and to you, all the listeners and uh, readers of Movie Beat, remember, it's Rex Sykes Movie Beat dot Emmy is the new blog, and there are updates on that. There's also Rex Sykes Movie Beat Friends on Facebook. And if you go there, and you also get updates on what's happening and tidbits and about my guests and different program changes and festivals and all that kind of stuff. So, so there's that and the official site at rexsykes.com, uh, where all of the interviews are uh, available, live and archived. Over 400 hours of professional filmmakers sharing their expertise for you to so that you can make your projects, you can advance your careers, whether you're in front of the camera or on camera or behind whether you're a writer or a marketer, whether you're a director or a craft services, uh, it is all there to uh, to assist each of us in becoming better at what we do and having more success. So please take advantage of it. Listen, and when you do, please rate and review these shows. Uh, you can leave a comment at the player window at Blog Talk Radio. 
Uh, also, when you listen to library archives, share it with other people. Let people know you're listening. Let them know what you like. Let them know what you didn't like, for goodness sakes. You know, but 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 share it. Get it out there because when you do that, it helps us increase our visibility on the internet. And gosh, you know how important that is, right? With all the stuff that's out there. This is brought to you absolutely free of charge too. There's n- there has never been a charge uh, to this date for any of the conversations that I've had with incredible filmmakers and these discussions. Bring them to you absolutely free. And um, and so please do share it. Please comment. Please uh, tweet about it. Facebook it. Use your favorite social media means. Google Plus. Talk about us on Stage Thirty Two. Whatever it is. Um, there's also the podcast available at iTunes, which you can go to and subscribe to and rate and review and have it downloaded to your favorite electronic device. I guess I'm losing my voice here. <clears throat> and um, at Blog Talk Radio. So uh, check out all the different ways that we uh, can come to you and, and make sure that we do and help us get to other people as well. I certainly appreciate you being here. Uh, Flyway Film Festival coming up the 23rd through the 26th of October in Pepin, Wisconsin. It's a little slice of heaven over there on the Mississippi, an incredible film festival. You're going to want to go and you're going to want to check it out. Uh, um, <coughs> excuse me. And the Wyoiga Film Festival. Uh, is coming up the 14th through the 16th in Wyoming, Wisconsin. That's up in central eastern Wisconsin, not uh, like a half hour from Green Bay or Appleton area. So if you're in the both worthwhile festivals to attend, uh, especially if you're in the listening area, or, or I should say if you're in the Wisconsin area, if you're in the listening area, this is worldwide. You could be in Istanbul. But if you can make it to Flyway or Wyoming, it would be worth your time. All right, everybody. Uh, enjoy your day. Make your projects and your projects. Complete your projects. And until we meet the next time, that is a wrap. <laughs>